You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a record complaint, they told us, as far as noise. In 15 seconds, they got their first noise complaint. They said that was a record. They let us get through the first set. We were supposed to play a second set. And they're like, you know what, guys? No, you're on time. <laughs> we can't. We can't. You guys got to go. You're listening to 2020, and Chabon was going to try to do the intro, but she's in the middle of New Mexico trying to bake fucking crystal meth, like Breaking Bad style. So I'm just yeah. going to get right to the fucking meat and potatoes because Matt actually says that. Our guest, Matt Pashand, who came out of fucking recluse. Uh, he lives in a basement like me in a studio making music for other people like Carnivora and happens to play do. in a band called Shadows Fall, happens to play in a band called Active Defiance, happens to play in a brand new band with John Denae from Shadows Fall and Anthrax called Living Wreckage, and he's doing reunion shows with Shadows Fall. I'm Benny Goodman, and I'm here with 2020 with Corey Peza and Siobhan with no shitty fucking internet. <laughs> Is that good? Did I do that? That was like one <laughs> Sorry, breath. guys. <laughs> Siobhan, what did you think about the episode? <laughs> Just roll the beautiful bean well, for you. Can you show me the same. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what's happening because I'm like literally bouncing up and down in this tour bus as we're riding through New Mexico. Maybe you guys are hearing me 10 seconds late, but I thought it was an awesome episode. We are. Well, as long as you're Man, spotting, it's fine that you're late. Great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just roll the episode. Part two with Matt. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here as always with a very bright uh, yellow Benny Goodman. Help. And, this is actually uh, <laughs> a shirt from Dan Hartwell that he sent me from Beatles on the Beach. So I want to say thank you to Daniel Hartwell who did Loco Bazooka. And for the free Former shirt. Former guest on the podcast. Yeah, actually, yes. I, I walked I walked into uh, the kitchen this morning and my 16-year-old said, who's the fucking <laughs> cone that came off the street? And I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. way to hijack like the it. intro. And also <laughs> <laughs> joining us, we have Siobhan Cronin, who's somewhere, I believe, in New Mexico at the moment on, on the Star Set tour bus. <laughs> Glad to be here, style. guys. And most importantly, <laughs> we are so happy to welcome back Matt Bashan of Shadows Fall, Active Defiance, Living Wreckage, guy that we've uh, we've, all, we've all been listening to. We've all Ooh. been listening to. At least uh, I know Ben and I. Uh, you know. For a long time, it's a, and if it's, you it's like metal and you're exciting. from Boston, yeah, you, it's kind of like it's you like you like the the Red Sox or Patriots. Like you're supposed to like it. Like you have to love Shadows Fall. You have to love Kill Switch Engage. You have to love the Godsmack, the fucking Stained. Like even if you don't, everyone knows a guy named Sully. Like fuck, your bass guy was Sully. Like there's 75 Sullys. I mean, but we're from Massachusetts, so like everyone's named Sully. Even the dude from Godsmack. That's true. <laughs> Well, Anyways, true. so thank you, so, uh, Matt, for sure. Thank you, yeah, thank you, Matt, for coming back. back. And I'm, I apologize in why, advance. Why did I? Why did I come back? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Eighties Kiss. Eighties Kiss. So okay. yeah, in part okay. one, we got some great stories about tour life. Eighties Kiss, which you'll have to go back and check out episode one with Matt for Rip that. Joey Jorison. Yeah, a lot of great stories in there. Um, to fill in some of the gaps on this episode, as you, the other guys mentioned, so, you know, I I didn't grow up with metal. I grew up in classical music. So I'm kind of learning as we go with every guest, and it's really great to hear all these stories. I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about, maybe for the listeners that don't know you, the formation of Shadows Fall, how that got started. I'm always interested in how people get going on new projects, and we kind of talked a bit about it in the last episode, but mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear about the early days, you know, how how it came together. Uh, before I forget, I'm also I also am a classical guy I, or new age more. I've seen Yanni live four times. That's something that people don't know about me. Nice, Yanni, four times. People are like Yanni, they got the mustache. Yeah, they got the mustache. <laughs> He's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, well, we, 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 with shadows, like I mentioned in the last episode, it was 
I was in a death metal band called Exhumed up around here. Not the not the Exhumed that people know today. That's on relapses out from California. It's not the same band. Um, this was uh, just a little local band that was doing, and um, we were playing shows with Aftershock, which is a band that John was in with Adam Deep and Killswitch, and they were in high school, and uh, they were doing pretty much like straight edge hardcore kind of stuff. We were doing brutal death metal, and we always ended up on the same gigs, became friends, hung out all the time, and. Uh, John wanted to do what John wanted to do. Like, he's a huge 80s uh, fan, like uh, I am as well, like 80s hair metal stuff. We love it. You know, we love Dokken and Rat and Cinderella and all those bands. Just, well, you guys used to play it. Metal 101, didn't you? Like, I, no, no, no. We did a, we did no, a, no, Metal co- One. It Cobra was, uh, Kai. Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Jesus Christ. I, I apologize. Both. Our mutual friend, Mark both. Lopes. Before I can't even show, keep all. Not before the movie. I saw yeah, him the other day. I saw him yeah, the other day. He was at the I love Mark. show the other night. Yeah. I, I love Mark, the Mr. Orange Picker. But that guy has so many projects between Metal 101, Ross the Boss. He's playing with K.K. Downing, Let Us Pray. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking keep it in my mind. I remember seeing Cobra Kai at Mohegan Sun at the Den. And you oh. guys fucking murdered face and John came out and just Jakey lead the fuck out of some Bark at the Moon. <laughs> and you guys <sighs> were just outrageously righteous. I don't know how we didn't get shut down that night. <laughs> Dude, I don't we, either. That was we a did, show. We did get shut down at a casino one night, and I'll uh, remind me of that after I finish this this question. But remind me of that one, Twin River in Rhode Island. Oh, I think so Cobra Kai is playing. playing remind me about that one. You got. It, I will. Okay, um, With Mark Lopez. Well, no, we were talking about um, um, the origins of Shadows Fall and how that was coming up. Well, it was. Simply like John had some demos he wanted to do more. He didn't really like hardcore too much. He was, he was playing with those guys and, and uh, he had some stuff he wanted to do a metal band. And, and he did some demos with Adam just, and he showed me some of these things. And I said, Hey, that sounds great. Let's, uh, let's collaborate. And uh, that's essentially how it started. And then we went through multiple lineups of, we brought in just some of our good friends who, um, Mark Liberty, who was our original bass player for me, he also was in Aftershock. We all went to school together. We still all hang out together all the time. Um, and, uh, um, and a couple other guys to just kind of get it going. And uh, eventually we found the, the, the right people. We land on the right lineup. And uh, our buddy Dave Germain, who now lives in Amsterdam, he plays in a man called Jaya the Cat over there, who is huge over there they're absolutely kicking ass and they're more like a i guess kind of a i could call them like a sublime kind of like what jam band kind of kind of thing and that's what was always his wheelhouse he was never really he liked metal but he was never a metalhead and i remember hanging out with him on the sidewalk in northampton one day and we were talking about what we're doing we would just always just kind of hang out downtown and drink coffees and talk about music and, and just whatever else and i remember just being fidgety like on the sidewalk, literally just being fidgety, like with his legs. And I'm like, dude, you probably pay uh, double bass pretty fast, right? <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Like, Want to try? <laughs> and then so I, so I enlisted him into this, the Dave Jermaine that everyone around here knows as the knife was when he was around here. Now he's the germ over in Europe. But um, the knife to the germ. And we, uh, nice. yeah. Well, he gave himself the name The Knife, which was a great. So we don't know where you show him from. Are you allowed to give yourself your own name, though? Is yes, that okay? Yes, he is. He is. So in this case, so wait, can you explain to me how you can give yourself your own name? Because I feel like that's not, it's like calling yourself Slash and being like, Bono, yeah. call me Slash. Okay. It was about 105 degrees since they were going to a show in, I think, Vermont, one of our early, early gigs. And he had one of those old station wagons with the wood paneling on the sides, like, you know, yeah. uh, one of those uh, National Lampoon's vacation style. And it was just hot as hell. And he was old, unshaven, looking sketchy. He had no shirt on. We pull into a 7-Eleven. <laughs> he's got his arm out the, out the window with a cigarette. And he turns, and I'm in my car. <laughs> and he's right there. And he's like, turns out, looks at me and he goes, I am the knife. <laughs> so if you could picture that, <laughs> that's what happened. Sold. <laughs> that's all I need to know. Yeah. Now everyone knows the origin stories of the knife. Put that on Wikipedia. <laughs> on the Jaya the Cat Wikipedia page. And you, I'm, you can, I'm sure he would not yeah. appreciate it. No, he cite, probably would. You cite your source and it's 2020. That's, that's a bad I'm, right, I'm going right. to tag that him in this when this goes live. I'm going to make sure he watches this. And he's going to oh laugh his ass off. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I love that guy. Anyways, so 
Yeah, we, we, we just kept plugging away, playing whatever we could, wherever we could. We knew a lot of the people that ran the clubs around here, like people like Scott Lee and stuff was a really old friend of mine, a really good friend of mine. And, Palladium in Worcester. Right, but he was doing – now, I was working at a club called Pearl Street, Northampton, and he was booking there. And even before that, the place Katina's that I used to play shows at when I was a kid. He was like a bouncer there, so I've known him forever. And um, so anytime the Nationals would come through or whatever, he's like, all right, this has potential. Let's go. So we'd put us on a show, you know, we're lucky enough to open for Emperor at the uh, Palladium, which is crazy because they only came here like once, you know. And but mm -hmm. and then I've, I think people got sick of seeing us because they're like, oh, Jesus, every national band I go see, they're freaking Charles Well, it's funny again. you it's say like, that because <laughs> people got sick I, of it. You know? I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I remember Scott Lee. I remember going to shows and seeing like Rob Noxious, who's a photographer, walking mm -hmm. around and Scott Lee and being like, yep. who are these dudes? They're at every fucking show. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically internalizing that John was an amazing guitarist. He mm -hmm. was like the first guy locally in the scene. And that's because every week you'd go to the Palladium and whatever band was opening, you guys would be opening. And I'd be sitting to myself, I don't even... Why am I even bothering selling tickets to the show of Loco Bazooka when I can just be in Shadows Fall? And then I realized I'll never play as good as John Denae or be Jason Bittner or you or fucking Brian with giant fucking dreadlock. So, like, you know what? That's why I'm here hosting a show. <laughs> well, we we got very lucky that, you know, a lot of our inner circle was was. A part of that and and because i worked at those clubs and i did all these things and even uh paul romanko was in a ton of old hardcore bands in western mass that were connected and they just knew everybody you know you did bloodbath back in the day and, and push button warfare and even with with zeus the producer you know they he was in push button warfare so we're all so incestuous together and this whole scene was just this big crazy bees nest that uh everyone helped each other out and it it never seemed like you're doing somebody a favor it just seemed like the thing to do it wasn't like oh i'm gonna hook you up and you owe me something or whatever it was just hey let's let's do that you know um so we were really lucky in that respect because i know a lot of scenes are not like that a lot of it's one of those like how well if you play here and you sell 50 tickets uh, and you do me a favor and i'll do you a favor and it's it was never really like that here Sure. That's that's something that like a lot of people I think have mentioned is the importance of sort of your circle or your yeah, your network of connections of people that you've worked for and how people help each other. You know, just people that you meet even on tour or doing festivals mm -hmm. or whatever. A lot of those relationships <coughs> prove to be really important in the long run and in, in building your career. So it's it's really amazing how important it is to yeah, foster those things from early on. Yeah, they absolutely do. And even to this day, I mean, Scott Lee's responsible for making the Shadows Fall reunion happen. You know, not that it's we don't i don't even like calling it a reunion to be honest we just kind of stopped playing <laughs> we didn't yeah. it's not like we got some big <laughs> we didn't get in some big fight we didn't like you know <laughs> there's no bad blood it was just one of those things where you know life got in the way you know a couple yeah, guys had sure. kids and got married and they yeah. we weren't really making enough money to justify them not well, being home to raise that. their children and hold on, hold on a you know the, the, you let, him, let him finish let him very finish important because do you well no but, <laughs> i'll let well, him jump in because he might ask the no, question if he I, doesn't then i'll shut him up well because i was saying that there's a lot of people, and I know this because you guys played <laughs> so many great shows. I mean, I mean, I saw you guys played. Uh, the Palladium holds, I think, 2,700 people at the upstairs. 2,560, actually. Okay, 2,560. So a lot of people. I mean, that's a lot of people when it's fucking full. And yes. that place is falling apart, and people and people are falling from the rafters. And I saw you guys at least 10 times during your heyday, like, playing at that place. And people, I remember thinking you guys were rock stars. Like, rock stars. And... The truth is, and you and you say you go on tour with Slipknot, you go on tour and you play with Damage Plan and all these bigger bands, you're crescendoing, and yet you didn't stop because the Eagles Hotel California, Don Feldner's angry at this, or Bono or no, Noel Gallagher or anything. You just stopped because life got in the way, but also money. Because people don't realize in metal, where even though you might be playing the OzFest main stage, are you paying your electric bill? Can you tell people the reality of what it's like to be in a band, even at that level, and still have to walk away from music because it doesn't financially make sense on a business level? Yeah, I, th I think people just, they, it's show business just like any other side of show business, okay? So essentially, it's smoke and mirrors, right? Mm -hmm. The bigger you present yourself, the bigger, you know, the bigger the light show, the bigger the stage production, the bigger the whatever, 
it gives this sense of man this is massive oh my god these guys are superstars blah 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 blah, blah. so something as simple as someone go looking and go oh you're in a tour bus instead of a van oh you guys made it it's like no, that thing costs a thousand dollars a day. We make yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's I just, so I true. As Siobhan sits on yeah. her, her totally <laughs> posh tour bus. Yeah, it's one of those things where they like, no, I just don't want to drive a van and I want somewhere to sleep because I'm old. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like I'd rather sacrifice the money I'm going to go home with to be comfortable, you know, doing doing what you do, and but that really is it's a game of smoke and mirrors as you know it, it's it, yeah if you just went up there you know and just played your song at a dive bar and did your thing it wouldn't nearly come across as it does without all the smoke machines and strobe lights and all this stuff that that makes a difference it's a ask all Starset. Of, all of tell your, no, abs- about it absolutely no senses. i i totally agree with you yeah no, all yeah. of your senses work together to create this experience that the fan has that makes them wanting to go back for more and and essentially spend more money buy your t-shirts do your thing which keeps you moving but in order to do that it's so expensive because you know you're you're still you're paying you're the bus is just a bus and then you got to pay for the gas and then you got to put the driver in a hotel room and then you got to okay. pay for your crew and then you got to pay all these things. Then your manager gets a cut and your booking agent gets a cut and your business manager gets a cut. And before you know it, you go home and you made $300 a week and the tour grossed like, you know, $200,000. And you go, what the hell happened? So wait, that begs the question. You have a new band, Living Wreckage. Mm-hmm. Why are you such a masochist? <sighs> <laughs> So apparently you're not denying this. <laughs> no, I'm not. You, you know, he's, he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, because wrong. I'm, look, I love music. He's a lifer. Well, that, yeah. And that's what it is. Well, is that 100%, he, but we want to get into Living Wreckage, but I want to really dive deep into that. And we were still, I, I want to touch base on the Shadows Fall reunion that I think everyone listening right, that, is, oh, wants so to know about. about still Shadows, Fall. Shadows Fall, not reunion, right? The Shadows Fall just getting back right, together right, right, to right. play a kick-ass show at the Palladium right, in December. Know, since Jason Bittner's so, only been like overcast, overkill, excuse me. Like, well, well, that, well, that was the whole thing. You know, it, like I was saying, is, is, is family life gets in the way. You know, Brian's got, got kids and a wife only at home and, and, and so does Paul. And, and it, you can't, you could never get upset at somebody for pulling off the road for something like that, because that, especially when you're just not making enough money. I mean, if we were bringing home, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, then go out and do it and provide your family and then deal with it later. But especially at that point when they're all young and this and that, you, it, I get it. I get it. And then, of course, John got the offer with Anthrax, and I get that, too, because I would have taken it as well. You know, th- these are these are things that you just can't get. And I didn't want to keep going with fill-in players. You know, it, it's one of those things that just, it, it just doesn't, people, I, people wouldn't get it. They, they, I don't think they would accept it. You know, and and I wouldn't want to ruin the brand like that. So if you're going to do something new and you want to keep pushing it, you do you rebrand it, you do something different. Will we probably play more shows than this one reunion show? Yeah, probably. Are there any plans for that right now? No. Well, I know um, that just from talking to John the last time, if he has to relearn all these songs, he's going to do more than one show because he well, was very upset about the idea of having dude, to relearn I love his these pose. songs. He's like, he was like, I was like mowing my lawn and then this song came up and he'll like, he'll like screen shoot a Shadows Fall song and he'll be like, didn't know I wrote this. That's cool. Yeah. Like, hope I can remember how to play. I've done that quite a bit myself lately. But on, if you read interviews with Eddie Van Halen, he's like, he would say like, oh man, I have to go back and listen to my records because he'd forget his riffs. And isn't that amazing? Like he forgot Atomic Punk and then he has to go back and listen to himself and relearn it. But like, that's how I feel. Like there's people that care about Shadows Fall so much that they probably know your songs better than even you do. So at this point- It's because they hear them more than we do. Now, I'm one of those people that when the record's done and you finally got the final master back and you listen to it, it sounds good and you're happy with it and it's pressed, done. I never listen to that song again. I hear it when we play it on the road. I don't, I don't put it on in my car and rock out to it. I just don't. It's they, you move on, you do something else. So that's why. But the fans are always listening to it. They're listening to it all the time. That's why they are more familiar with it than we are. Because especially having not played a show in seven or eight years, I haven't heard those songs in seven or eight years. 
so how did this how did this come about? Like, because when we talked to John just a, just a few months ago, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if he was just being coy, but he seemed to be legitimately like, I don't even want to think about trying to learn these songs. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's it's not going to be easy. It's yeah. it's, it's going to be a struggle because it's not simple stuff. It's almost like a war within. Dig into the earlier catalog. If we're going to do some Oval and Blood stuff, you know, which we will. Um, but who whose idea was like so where did where did it come from to actually get it going? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that Scott Lee actually ran into Paul, uh, at work and, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and said, Hey, we should do a show. Small show. And then we just got a group text going. <laughs> and he was like, Hey, you guys want to do a show? I'm like, Oh, all right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it literally, was, yeah. it was literally like the matter of just simply getting an offer to do one. And we're like, well, when, cause we obviously, if we're going to do it, it's not going to be. Filling guys. No, it's not like all original members, but the original members that people know, like the core band of the of the the important era of the band from you know two thousand and when the hell did Bitter come in two two thousand two, I think two thousand two onward. Um, that's what people want to see. So we're not going to do it when no one's available, and obviously John's Anthrax obligations are way more important than this, so it's like we got to make sure that he's off, and then Jason's got overkill, and he's got to make sure that he's off. Um, so it's just a matter of timing, and we were going to do it last December, but then COVID. Um, so that that all that got shut down before we even had time to announce the show, so we just kind of put it to rest, and then when we so, so started opening again. So, so John was playing dumb with Well, us that's my concern right yeah. now, and I was just telling somebody today about this. I said, if they start canceling shows again, they better tell me right now, because I want to go through all this work. <laughs> oh my gosh, and then yeah. not have to do it. Like, you know what? If it does get canceled, okay, it gets canceled, but tell me before I do all the work, because I got other things to do. Yeah. I got to mow my lawn and stuff. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I got fish to feed. I got. I, got, I, got, I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, like I mean, that many years. I mean, even us being off for whatever eighteen months because yeah, of COVID. Some crazy. of us came back, and like my brain expelled. Like we would start the track, and I'm like, wait, what song is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't seem like a long time, it. and it didn't really no. feel like a long time. But then there it is. Like, Holy shit! What was that? And and here we are. And and so. I mean, we're going to do our best and we haven't even rehearsed yet. We haven't gotten in the room together. We've been kind of talking about songs or certain ideas or things, but really at a very rudimentary level, nothing in depth at all. So, and we're going to start doing that soon. I think in the next couple of weeks, um, John's got some, I think he's at Sturgis tonight, actually. So he's doing some anthrax stuff. And when he gets back from that, then we're going to get together right here in my, uh, little basement, uh, place it's very oh, different nice. than when you saw it and it's uh i built a stage i put a lighting truss up i lost my damn you mind you still have an awesome studio and everything <laughs> i built a bar with four beers on tap on the other side it's nuts it's oh like hell a, yeah that's cold, awesome cold that's great I built, man i built well, a nightclub in my basement wait so let's you, talk real, about that yeah quick. so one of the quotes from john in the last episode was you know what i just want to jam with my buddies and drink some beer in a basement that was line for line exactly what he said. Was and he talking about your place? And yeah. Just so you know, I did the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just <laughs> talking about this place. My, my drummer and I, uh, we we said from the very beginning of COVID, we were going to just be isolated together. And because he's like really antisocial and I'm antisocial. I'm like, dude, if we don't play together, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking hang myself a guitar string. I'm sorry. Did so, you say you're antisocial? Believe it or not, dude, like I actually have social anxiety. This is I'm social uh-huh. this way, but I go I go out and like people are like, why are you all weird? I'm like, I fucking hate this. I want to go home now. Oh, you're weird for a lot of reasons, dude. Yeah, That's I'm really weird. I'm <laughs> very not the only one. I'm, I, I'm very you're I, social in a virtual interface. But whenever it's like in person, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, so, but, but Paul and I, oh, like, if we were all face to face. I wouldn't say a word, but Paul I've and had, I, like, I've had, people, had magazines tell the label, like, this guy's boring. Can we get someone good to do an interview? Like, no, sh- oh yeah. And Europe, the European no. press tour, European no. press tour for Roadrunner. Yeah. How rude. You should well, just start I saying I was like, like absolutely ridiculous things. I remember the guy, what, what's the name of that band? The Haunted. He used to say the most ridiculous shit. And the oh, band yeah. was like, they were all right. Like, whatever, Peter Dolving or whatever. Peter but Dolan, he would yeah. just be like, you're like, you know what? I hate coffee. And everyone that drinks coffee thinks the earth is flat. And you're like, whoa, dude, how is that guy getting headlines? And he was just saying the dumbest shit. And I, I yeah. loved it. It was great. So that's what, I, know, that's I know I interrupted uh, earlier, but Siavon, you, you had a question. For, oh, no, I was just going to ask you what... 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry, my internet is probably bad because I'm hotspotting from my phone, no. like I said yeah. before, tour life. Um, no, I was just going to ask what what the last year, year and a half was like for you, because you know you mentioned you obviously built out a lot in your studio there, and I'm just curious to hear how you spent this time and I what went on for you. Most of that time, actually, uh, where, well, I was working for Honda for a while as a punching bag, and uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> As a service advisor. So, you know, (laughs) when you go in to get your oil change and you expect to spend $30 and then I'm the guy that has to tell you, you have, you need a thousand dollars worth of brakes. I did that for about a year and a half. Wow. Um, And then uh, I was also going back to school to finish my bachelor's in graphic design. And I got that done a few months ago. Congratulations. That's amazing. amazing. At at the same time. You should be proud of yourself. Like, honestly, that's amazing. I was wicked busy. I did it all. That's awesome. um, so I, I, I definitely wasn't bored, if that's what you mean. <laughs> no, and well, no, I figured not. And then meanwhile, but... doing you know these things down here in these. Well, when we first we first started the, the show, we we one of the things we were talking about was like how are people taking advantage of their time? Because when COVID first started, you know, I remember everyone saying like I watched The Sopranos for the seventeenth time. Oh, Whereas yeah. like I actually learned how to sweet pick, not well. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but it's I can actually call it that. You know what I mean? Like I, you see all this behind me, like I tessellated my walls 17 times more and i got a smoke machine i got a quirlic drum kit with lights in it and <laughs> lasers very productive it. with like, your time you had no, lasers but, but, but and smoke saying, i'm with you dude a nightclub in my basement and then nobody to come over just my one friend and we can jam to acdc highway to hell over and over as many times as we want and i realized that i love that more than anything else and and, and mm-hmm. i'm with john on that like just let's drink some beer smoke some weed and play with our own smoke machine and that's all we need 80s kiss that's all you need. That's all you need. That's, we just Lick it up. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And so before we move on, I do need to bring it back. You need to tell us about this Twin River incident. Oh, yeah. Mm, yes. <laughs> well, if anyone does know of, of Cobra Kai, um, this is probably, God, I don't know how long we've been doing that now. Well, um, can we set up what it is? So Cobra Kai is like the fucking greatest, my favorite 80s. And listen, Corey's in a very, very unbelievable 80s, and they're different. So, like, you know, but he's got a band called Backstage Pass. But Cobra Kai has... Oh, LA's Backstage Pass? You're in Backstage Pass? Probably not the one you've heard of. Okay, because there's (laughs) one out here. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, well, right. well, either way. I'm sure there's a lot of bands. There's probably a pass. lot of bands called Backstage Pass. There's a lot of people back there. We wear wigs, we play 80s hair metal, we get drunk. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. that's probably the one I'm talking about. Jason Foster yeah, used to come to all their shows. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, no, but, uh, the, but anyway. The, but the point is that your band had Frank Aresti from Fate, uh, Fate's Warning on guitar. Fucking right. ridiculous guitars from one of the greatest early prog metal bands. Like, like really set the tone. Like, never really hit the success level of, like, you know, uh, some of the other bands, that, but certainly influenced so many people. And then you have John on lead guitar who we obviously know went off to do anthrax so clearly he was good enough to play in anthrax you fucking killing it and then you know like you got mark by the way who is he was born to sing 80s metal like that's it and like this dude like lives pizza iron maiden actually that's probably it like pizza and iron maiden that's that's probably it but but that's all you want him to do because he would put on this Mm -hmm. planet to like go and play with frost the boss and kk Mm -hmm. downing and bring the metal as if it was like a religion like you must hear the metal like he's the guy you believe you know and you and and he sang for your band yeah and let's not forget the drummer mike bartlett who was on the first three all that remains albums and who's also my roommate he's he's upstairs and i'm probably being too loud right now because he's got to go to bed and go to work probably (laughs) Can he still hear? That's only, I don't know. Maybe he's right upstairs. Uh, but, um, the, you know, that band was fun because what we did is we, we, we wanted to be like, I think it started because we went out to see our buddy played a, a Bon Jovi tribute, Bon Jovi out here. And they were telling us how much money they were making a night just going and playing Bon Jovi songs. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you make tribute bands. dollars tonight playing yep. Bon Jovi's oh, that, that tribute scene, shit. man. It's, so, it's true. Yeah. So instantly, so Frank and John, like, well, let's do this, and then that's how I started playing bass. Was because we already had two guitar players, so I'm like, oh, I guess I'll play bass. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how I got tossed into it. Yeah, and uh, and we just kind of took it from there and, and turned it into something fun. But we wanted to be not what every other one was doing we didn't want to put wig on wigs on do the do the shtick or like play everything flawlessly or whatever we well, literally did it 
You didn't well, need to because you have Mark Lopes. Because well, Mark is the, the real thing. So we're like Ralph, or excuse me, Michael Starr, who I love from Steel Panther. I love Steel Panther. But like their thing is just shtick. You know, when they get off stage, like, you know, uh, Sticks is wearing Birkenstocks. You know what I mean? And like it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an act, but it's a fucking awesome act. Mark is metal. Like when, 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 when literally, you know, uh, the Judas Priest is asking you if you're metal. They're asking Mark Lopes to his face, is he metal? And he's saying to an entire crowd, like Freddie Mercury style, that he's metal. So that's the difference. And then John, he's also metal. Like, he's a real metal guy. Like, he's sitting there drinking, like, beers, fucking smashing him back. And you're like, how does that guy shred so hard? That's what we tried to do. We, if you want the true 80s experience... We wanted to do like that live Guns N' Roses show from the Ritz where it was a total disaster. Like Slash dropped his pick and spent like 30 seconds trying to pick it up. And all this, they were just completely shit-faced. <laughs> we, we did that on purpose. We tried to get as drunk as we could while we played to see if we could get through the game. That was part of the shit. I mean, we, 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 we tried to do like, you know, keep it together somewhat, but, but there was no... Stop it. But and how then, do you, you find know, that balance of like just enough but you? not too much where it's a oh, total disaster? There, there have been shows that we did not finish and I didn't think we would get paid. And the promoter's <laughs> like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Here's extra money. Even uh, though we stopped like 45 okay. minutes. Early, please, you know, like, <laughs> please give us an example of this. Oh, uh, uh, that would be um, JJ's Tavern in Florence. That's exactly what happened. Um, John, he threw his guitar across the floor, still plugged in, <laughs> all the way across the other end of the bar, right back t- to the bar, like slammed down a shot, and just started making out with some random chick or something. Like it was fucking <laughs> nuts. I was like, "Dude, that's fucking awesome!" And then, um, uh, and then Mark, Mark couldn't even talk at that point of that show, and uh, and Frank, oh Mike, God. and I are kind of up there on the stage, still trying to play, and we're looking at each other. I was like, "Do we even bother?" Like, <laughs> we keep going, and eventually we just we just stopped, and we're just like. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at the poor promoter. He's like, "That was the most rock and roll thing I've ever seen in my life." You know, like, but but you know, there there are so many other examples of of, of well, shit like that. We just you know, sometimes Hold on, can we just say first off that Rhode Island is a disgusting place? So to be able to be kicked <laughs> out of Rhode Island is fucked up, dude. Let's just start there. So people who haven't been to Rhode Island, it's dumpy. Like if you well, walk around Providence, if and you don't hear guys listening puking, from Rhode Island, well, uh, they'll probably be like Ben's accurate, is, accurate, does. yeah, poopcenters.com. But listen, uh, you go there and you, and you can see people. <laughs> I saw a dude like right outside. I want to say it was like a Faith No More show. Take a giant dump in the middle of the road, like in Providence, and every street's one way. So like to be kicked out of Twin Rivers is a feat. So continue. Well, White Snake <laughs> was playing there in the arena that night. And Here we they, go again. They called us to play in the little bar just outside the door there where the queue lines up to kind of warm people up so this was at like you know four in the afternoon so all of the uh let's say the non-loud music people were gambling <laughs> and doing things and we're you know we break right into the trooper and and still the night and we're doing all this stuff it was a record complaint they told us as far as noise <laughs> In 15 seconds, they got their first noise complaint. They said that was a record. <laughs> they let us get through the first set. We were supposed to play a second set. And they're like, you know what, guys? No, you're on time. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We can't. And they're like, you guys got to go. We thought they were going to shut us down. All the suits are like around, like watching. You know, there's one guy with a walker like up on the balcony, like put in the air. It's like, ah! You know, it's like, it, was, it, was, it was funny, but it was. I can imagine Mark getting off stage being like, dude, wasn't that fucking awesome? And we weren't loud. You know, we especially when we play casinos, you got to know that. You keep the DB level low. You just do something, but, you know, people just didn't like it. So they, they just complain, complain, complain. And then we just got shut off and that was it. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's what Cobra Kai did. We did everything ridiculous yeah. on purpose. Yeah, it's very rock purpose. and roll. It's on well, brand. Well, it made it easy down. too because you didn't have to worry about like, oh my god, am I going to mess that part up? Because it didn't matter. Because if you did, it was like, ah, we're supposed to. You know, I'm <laughs> ball I would, to I, the wall. Not no, even the right song. Ball to would, the wall. I would, I, I would hand the bass off to whoever was in the front row. Like, you know this song? No. All right, whatever. You're playing it anyway, and go take a piss in the middle of the tune. You know, like. <laughs> 
things like that. Like it, it, it was, it was that. Sounds like we all should be doing this. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we need, maybe we need to start a band. Yes, <laughs> sure it is. Oh my god, dude! I, I could see That's why wild. you play with so many amazing. Okay, so let's. So that was it. Was it's it, it was a good time, and and I hope that we do more shows. We haven't obviously it's like COVID, and we haven't really talked about it yet because we haven't had time because we've been so busy with other stuff. But uh, I'm sure we'll do another another show again. I just don't know when. That's I gotta be honest that with you. So I, I love Mark, and he's like a, such an amazing talent. From again, another metal dude from this, you know, the, the the New England area, just killing it. And it's great too because he's a guy that um, you know went from playing clubs and stuff to playing with Ross the Boss and like doing this Man of War thing, where it's like, oh man, if there was ever a dude in the world that was meant to do that. <laughs> that was like Mar- he was like literally designed oh, yeah. on a computer like you know uh, so, like weird science it was like weird science yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's they're like we need a Mark Lopes we need a guy who could hit a high E over C and still do it completely but the thing is I can also if you know Mark which I love Mark and I've, I actually played my first show with him over 10 years ago like he came and played Campanelli Stadium with me and we played uh, Cowboys from Hell and he nice. literally I can just imagine him doing that gig. He probably the whole time, like, not only owned it, but thought, like, that's what he should have been doing. And everyone that didn't like it, he probably thought he was schooling them. Like, that's probably what went through his head. Was literally like, well, oh, no, well, you need some fucking flight of the bumblebee. Like, you need, that's, you, you yeah, need but that's a sign of a, that's a sign of a pro, right? It doesn't matter what the reaction is. Oh, he doesn't you, give you any go out fucks. There, you believe your crap, you do it, you do it as well as and you can. And he'd heckle you for it. Like, why are you, why are you singing the words? It's just balls to the wall. <laughs> it's just balls to the wall. Why are you singing the words? Why are you singing the words? <laughs> I got to do that song with Udo in Europe. That was awesome. That tour. Oh, my God. That, okay. that really tour, is balls to the, the tour wall. I never got paid for. Yeah, that was good. Whoa, 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 what? Ooh, what's the story behind that? Oh, let's talk about this because the guy's in jail and they don't care what he, what he, what he thinks. <laughs> I thought Lou, Lou Pearlman was dead. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a character by the name of Gabe Reed. Uh, he did a tour called Metal All-Stars back in 2014 uh, that I was a part of, John was a part of, Brian was a part of. And it was like a core band with different singers throughout the night. <clears throat> And all the plans fell apart. Originally, it was supposed to be Phil and Somo and Vince Neil and uh, Max Cavalera, Joey Baldana, Udo. Then uh, it was as it was going. It uh, it just slowly fell apart. People stopped flaking, flaking. And, you know, promises didn't happen and whatever. And it got to the point where I, I, I'm very much abbreviating here, but um, the night before the tour started, it was uh, it was Jason Todd. Uh, He's being shined down. We had, we had talked and like, well, are you going to go? So like, did you get your money? Did you deposit anything? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, not yet. So apparently this guy sent a bunch of deposits around the, literally the night before the flights were supposed to leave to go to uh, Romania. And uh, yeah. And showed up and I talked to him. He was like, oh yeah, well, we'll just, Jerry, here's a, here's a couple thousand dollars and I'll give you the rest when, when the tour's over. And we'll just, okay, fine. They had me playing bass in the whole thing, except for Zach Wilde's set. I did every other set, um, which was fun. I had a great time, it, you know, and a lot of great people, but uh, never got the rest of my money. I think everyone else did, or most people did. Um, somehow he ended up in jail for something else, from international wire fraud or some shit. I don't know. Something Somewhat like that. Total, total yeah. fucking scumbag. Anyway, <laughs> promised me all this stuff, never got it. Um, so, yeah, I basically did a three-week tour for free. Oh my places. god! But it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, it was we 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 made the best of it. But but shows got canceled along the way. We were stuck in Istanbul for a week. Uh, like all kinds of things. Oh man! Like you're stuck in it. What's it like to be? Yeah. On what tour? do you do in Istanbul? Where, first off, <laughs> you, you you realize like you're financing this yourself right now. You're in fucking Istanbul, not I kind of made the best of it. I, I I went to a couple museums with the tour managers. I. I uh, ate a lot of cool street food. I mean, I did, I did stuff. But normally, you're just stuck in a hotel and you're sitting around waiting. So, and, uh, was it almost a blessing in disguise? I, I don't know. I don't know if <laughs> I I'll think not get... getting paid for a tour is never a blessing in disguise. <laughs> no, it just sucks. I mean, but the, but the shows were killer. And then you're like, so the very first one uh, was sold out. I was like. 12,000 people or something. And, and we we're supposed to do a, a Pantera set with Phil and Somo. And they didn't tell anybody until after Zach Hall was done that he didn't show up. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so now you've got ten thousand people in Romania chanting Pantera, and the bodyguards are like, "Lock yourselves in the dressing room. I'll let you know when it's safe to come out." <laughs> and that's what we did. And then, so the next night, you know, word got out on the internet that uh, that Phil wasn't there on the tour. And then, um, same thing kind of happened with Vince Neal. Like, where is Vince Neal? Didn't show up. Somehow, I guess missed a flight or something. And then tried to book him on the next one. Oh, he's going to be in Belarus. We're not going to Belarus if Vince Neal didn't show up because he's closing this thing. Oh, he'll be there. He's at the airport. He'll be there. We get to Belarus. Yeah, Vince isn't here. Oh my God. It, it was one of those. It just. It was like a no surprises really none no surprises i will say the greatest thing that came out of that whole thing was that nickname for me of man shark came out of that i think it was just comment part john part zach wild uh, on a bus because we were supposed to fly from bulgaria to romania and uh yeah that didn't happen because all the flights fell through i think the guy didn't have the tickets imagine that so we all ended up on this charter bus and at this point, Zach Zach is oh, sober and he's he just you know drinks like eighty cups of coffee every day. So and he would just and it was like a six hour comedy show <laughs> overnight. <laughs> and and uh, they had spelled my name wrong on the merchandise. They spelled like Banchard or something. <laughs> it was like Banchard. What is this Banchard? Banchard? Manchark? What the fuck is this? And it just kind of stuck. And then before I knew it, like Max Kepler is calling me man shark on the stage. Like, the man shark. And, like, <laughs> like, and it just kind of like, it just stuck. And I, and I thought about it. And I said, well, oh, man, I don't really have like funny. a name for like the, you know, managing things or whatever I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, screw it. I roll with it. Right. So I just, so it just kind of stuck. And that's where that <laughs> that's came hilarious. from. Anyway, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And so then, Zach Wilds really liked that all the time. Like, Cause I see him like oh, I, on his channel. He, he, all the time he there was one show and this is where the best advice ever came that i've ever gotten from any doctor dr zach by the way, but any doctor i was really sick in latvia and barely got through the set ready to pass out they brought me the emts and they checked my blood pressure and all this stuff and they're like you need to go to your hotel right now or you're gonna have a heart attack and i'm like all right your blood pressure is wicked high so I did, did that. Barely got through the gig. Did a, did the gig. So in the next morning in the lobby, it's about six a.m. Flying to wherever the hell we we're flying to next. I'm not really sure where. I don't remember. And um, he goes, "How you feeling, bro?" I said, "Well, better. Good. Got some sleep. Felt pretty good." He goes, "Tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna pound two beers, jerk off, and listen to Houses of the Holy. You're gonna be fine." <laughs> 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 like, talk about a prescription. <laughs> and this oh is, my god and i can't process, and i can't even process this at this point because it's 6 a.m i i was sick the night before you know i've been just yeah. waking up i haven't had a coffee yet and i can't even speak if i don't have a coffee yet and i was like oh my god what did i just hear like, <laughs> like what am i doing did you listen to zeppelin uh, I, I I didn't take his advice yet. Oh, okay, but well, next time I'm very next time I'm very ill. I'm gonna have to remember that story. Oh my yes. gosh! Yeah, I don't know. It's like they say they say <laughs> that like for for any sort of gig, there's like there's like the triangle, and you got it's either gonna be a good gig, good pay, or good hang, right? And it seems like even though you get screwed on the pay for like that that tour it that was, was a great hang, hang. everybody good, on that tour was awesome so ross like, boss was on so that one positive about it right belladonna <laughs> was on that one i mean you know i yeah. met a lot of great people cobra page was on that she's super sweet but yeah, i mean every everyone was really really cool that's and, amazing and, and, and the shows yeah. were a lot of fun and it was awesome they udo dirk schneider this to play you know those songs with him there's it was just awesome i'm like wow Playing balls at a wall with an Udo in front of ten thousand people in Russia. This is awesome. Like, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that. Well, I mean, well, know, is that like really ever, cathartic? You could never that, make that up, but it happened. Yeah, right. you know? so is, is that a really cathartic cool. moment for you, though? For real? I mean, on like a very philosophical level, because you know, look, we've learned that it, you said it multiple times. Uh, it's smoke and mirrors, right? Yeah, and like right. every time you get to a different echelon, you're like, oh, you think that they're making it, and all it is is just a new set of problems. So it, like the, the question then becomes, what makes you happy? And for me, I feel like if I was in Russia playing balls to the wall, like <laughs> I, I feel like that that might 
that might be happiness. That might be just thinking of the color white and not hearing the tinnitus all the time. Well, you know, well, unfortunately, you know, it's like one of those things with that tour, knowing what I was promised as far as in my contract, you know, spending all that time learning all those tunes is like four hours of material and, and, you know, not having any other income coming in and doing that, you know, like a lot of my utility bills and things ended up on credit cards. And then when the cards, I was like, well, when, yep. the, when, when, when I get the check, I'll just pay the cards off. Well, the check never came. So that yeah. it, you know, puts you $50,000 in credit debt. And uh, then how do you dig yourself out? You know? Yeah. And that's, that. It, that's the thing. So it's basically it's, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. It's like the fire fest. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's, it, it, actually, I did an interview with Rolling Stone about him and about that whole thing. And uh, uh, I told him everything. I sent him I sent him my contract. I said, you want to see all of it? I've got nothing to hide. I'm not mm-hmm. lying here. You know, he's, he did send me a deposit of, of, you know, a little bit of what he owed me. Yeah. Never the rest. Oh, my God. Dude. Craziness. Not saying I didn't get oh. paid anything. He sent me a very small deposit just to get my ass on the plane. And yep. probably knew right then and there he was going to screw me over anyway. Wow. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And the thing is, that people are, uh, and all people know in Romania is, is that Phil and Zemo didn't show up yeah. by Pantera. <laughs> well, right. they only found that out when they, <laughs> they wanted him to come up. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought, like, during the day, we're like, oh, shit, Phil's not here. But when we started hearing them chant Pantera, like, they didn't tell them. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is not going to go well. <laughs> insanity yeah. all right well we, we we have about you know 15 20 minutes left mm-hmm. i definitely want to take some time to talk about uh your newest project uh living wreckage this like yes there it is he's got it right there how how did this band come about uh well it was some stuff that john had around for a long time he's even some rehash shadows far wrist and some other stuff he was writing because he doesn't really write anything uh really for anthrax just like write the leads and stuff so it's you know those guys kind of take care of the lion's share of that and he's always been a songwriter he's always wanted to write some stuff so um these songs have been around for a couple of years some of them um slowly and that and then just finding the right people to play with and the guy that's playing drums john morency right now who's also let us pray with mark lopes uh, he actually. By the it. way, just so you know, John and I jam all the time. The, he, he and I did a cover of "Pressure" from Billy Joel that no one's heard yet because we do more songs that we don't release than anybody Sweet. else. I love that song. I always no, wanted that, to do a metal version of that song, dude. One first off, that song is the most metal song. I have to redo it because we didn't like tapo a uh, tempo map it, and it's like not consistent because he was on cocaine when he did it, so it's like a little <laughs> bit awkward. And like John did his best, like he did like of course his fucking he. So so everyone knows John Morenci who plays drums and in, in, in um. Living Wreckage is actually the guitarist in Let Us Pray and he's just a musical savant I mean like a savant like he'll send you like his 15 minute Nintendo mix that he played like 39 instruments on he's guitarist like here's my Robbie Kai, Shankar dude. part yeah he's like guitarist he's, Cobra Kai after, after is uh, he really last, yeah last, oh my last, god last little bit yep but so we didn't maniac. even we didn't even know he played drums and like John heard him like doing some drums on this shit he's like you I didn't actually like until John like, and right. Danae told me yeah so he started so he started playing with him and at the time, I tinkered a little bit, even playing guitar with it. And then I got busy with the with the school thing and with work and stuff. I didn't have too much time to to bang around. So he suggested Matt Breton, who was uh, in uh, uh, Downpour with uh, Brian Fair at one point. And um, they play really well off each other. And the, the idea there is they wanted to have leads they could trade off back and forth. And as we talked about in the last episode, I don't do solos. That's just not my thing. I am a rhythm guy. That's what, you know hold down the fort so it was like hey, well, play bass like, all right i mean it's familiar now let's uh let's do it you know and i'm trying not to just play the guitar bass you know i'm trying to actually write bass lines right with the drums be rhythm section you know that's what it's that that to me was most important with doing this is i really spent a lot of time and i did that with the act of defiant stuff i spent a lot of time to make sure i was doing that too and not just playing the four string guitar i wanted to well how's that how, it, how is know. it playing bass behind someone like chris broderick because i mean i imagine chris broderick's not going to let you just play guitar behind him because i mean that's useless well right well with that i had to fill in a lot of space because it was a one guitar band too so there was you know live there were no other rhythm tracks back there i had to fill in a lot of space there so i learned a lot doing that i, I was forced to i was forced to 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 find 
the notes to play off the other notes, but still staying tight with the drums, which is, you know, always the most important thing with, with bass too. So that's, they're one and the same. So I tried to do that here with, with wreckage too. And, and, and I think it's turned out pretty well so far. And, and um, I, hopefully we can do a lot more with it. We just started playing shows. We've only played about four or five shows at this point. Um, but we've got stuff booked pretty much every weekend for quite a bit. And um, we're uh, going for as much as we can. How do you think people were responding to the shows? And it's, been, I, it's been better than I thought. It's been a lot better than I thought, to be quite honest. Because brand new band, it doesn't matter who's in it. No, no one's gonna go. I mean, we, we saw them with Active Defiance. So it's like, oh, I got half a Megadeth and Shadows Ball. All right, cool. Uh, you know, go to Des Moines, Iowa, and there's three people paid. You know, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, actually, that show was two people paid in Des Moines, Iowa. Two. Well, I mean, but it's they weird. each bought one hundred and twenty dollars worth of merch, so it it's up. okay. It's it's weird you say that because I've been hearing more about how many seats you sell because you know you can have people like again a guy like Bumblefoot, you know, mm-hmm. plays with sure. Sons of Apollo. He plays with the Winery Dogs. He plays um, obviously played in Guns and Roses, and then like I've seen him play to three people, and it's like the guy from Guns and Roses who has a double neck guitar, and he's like one of the greatest mm-hmm. guitars in the entire fucking oh, world. Best. And then yeah. meanwhile, you could see Lil John spin. Or like fucking Pauly D from fucking MTV. Sure. And he's doing like the main room at the MGM or something like that, dude, and selling out $75 tickets. And you're like, mm-hmm. are you fucking shitting me? And dude, the Fresh Prince of Belair. In fact, I saw Ramstein. They did like a stadium tour. And like, listen, I know Ramstein's like a big deal, but like they play fucking sellout stadiums? Like what the fuck? So like that's the thing that blows my mind is like there's a difference between like who you know and then like who actually shows up to the show. Like, are you serious? Right. Well, and that's where the smoke and mirrors come in and that's where the marketing comes in and where, how it's, how it's presented. It's not even so much what the product is. It's how the product is packaged and how it's sold. And that's what you're seeing in the mainstream right now. And, but you know, metal and, and stuff has never really been part of the mainstream. You know, it's always been kind of an outcast. You know, if, if you want to maybe include the 80s hair era in that, maybe you, maybe you could say that. But for the most part, I mean, you weren't seeing, you know, Iron Maiden on MTV, you know, TRL or whatever. You weren't seeing these things. You had to seek this stuff out. You had to look for it. You had to find it. You had to love it. And that's why those fans are the best fans out there. And that's why they stick around with you and discover other things that aren't just forced down their throat. Right. And, and well, they're coming for the music, in other words, you it, know, right, right. So it's just the not yeah, just the, the appeal of the marketing yeah. and the branding and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It can look like a stuff. nice yellow banana on the outside. You peel it and it's brown. You're not going to want to eat it, right? So it doesn't matter what the packaging looks like. Are we on Naked and Afraid? Because if you're on Naked and Afraid, I feel like as long as it's edible. No, uh, we're not. No. Um, so you I, I, after that comment, I'm definitely afraid. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't invite you to my house anymore. But yeah. <laughs> oh, but you were so nice, man. You got a lot of amps. You, you um, I do. You talked about you're working with um, at least one band. I don't know if it was more than one band. As in a kind carnivora. of a management carnivora, yeah. mighty carnivora. carnivora. Is that so? When you're when you're doing something from that perspective mm-hmm. in this current musical environment what are you saying what what is your guidance for a band in in a situation right now be different stand stand out do what you want to do don't don't do what they expect you to do or what they want because now you're already two steps behind because it's already out there you want to be the one to kick the door open or at least be the one right behind it. You don't want to be the last one through because you know what that other door is coming real close behind you it's going to push you out of the way so it, just do just do you and be and be happy with it because like I said you know earlier like you got to play these songs every night on stage you have to be happy with them too because if you're bored playing those tunes the crowd's gonna know that you're bored they it, it, they just are well, energy and they're, transfer they're, yeah and they're totally not gonna true. have a good time and they're not gonna do it so if you sell it like you mean it you love it you know you think Slayer wanted to play Rain and Blood every night of course not but they sold it because they knew they had to. And the crowd, you mean like versus Vince Neil? Just that. You know, if they in. were just like, oh, here, Rain Blood, it's gone. Like you, you could tell if they were faking it, and they're not. You, even if they were faking it, they didn't show it because you have you got to play like part actor there. You got to be like, like this, this is what they want. Let's give it to them. Let's give it to them as hard as we can, and they keep coming back for more if you do that. 
Yeah, that, that's amazing advice. I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. It's, I mean, at least being on the tour that I'm on right now, I mean, it's still relatively unusual to be a violinist in like the rock and roll metal scene, sure, let's yeah, say. And so many people have asked me that, you know, it's like, how did you end up in this? And I'm like, I don't know, but I was just always breaking the rules in classical music. And so it just kind of happened exactly. organically. Break you're the a happy rules. Or you're, a happy, you're a happy accident. Yeah, well, not every, really though, but that's that's yeah. great advice. Because if everyone just follows the rules, you're all you're all. It's just a great riff from here. Zach Wild. Breaking all the rules, yeah. breaking all the rules. Well, more so, not even for your your goal to be breaking the rules, but just to do what feels authentic to you, regardless yeah. of what the community mm -hmm. around you is making mm -hmm. you feel you have to do. Or yep. yeah, it's just like writing music for yeah. radio or whatever. You've got to do what yep. you have to do it for you. Yeah. You know, you really do. You're so right. I mean, people forget that musicians should be able to enjoy their careers. It's not all about doing what you're supposed to do for the people. That's part of it. But yeah, yeah. you have to get up and play that music and live that every day. Huh? Yeah. I think your bus just started. Oh, it definitely did. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we are, we are definitely rolling right now. I don't. You can't even see out the window, but. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, Sorry if it's loud. Yeah, no, no, but that, yeah, that's. that's yeah, that's that's what I think. It's like if, if you don't do it for you, it's it's just not going to be authentic, and you're not going to like it yourself down the road. And you got and you're going to be stuck with it forever. Because especially once it's once it's recorded, once it's out there, with all the internet on it, it's never going away. So what are you saying about living wreckage though? Like, because I mean, you guys like when I heard it, okay. So like my impression of it was like it it was a really nice, refreshing uh, meld of like the metal and like I would say hard rock that like a lot of people call classic rock now mm -hmm. that like we grew up like as sure. alternative but really was just metal yep. and like with tons of melody tons of fucking melody yeah. and um, you know I, I guess you know knowing what you know and being as masochistic as you are knowing how terribly fruitless the music industry is what are you what are you saying with Living Wreckage and I guess what's the, what's the hope and plan you know being in a band is it still like that delusional we're gonna take over the world but like you know, are we? I I would like to try. I mean, if you don't try, you'll never know, right? And 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 you know, we're we're happy with it, and, and we feel that it's a little bit different because you know, a lot of the we've talked about like the metalcore stuff. We're now like when we were doing it in you know the mid '90s or whatever, mid late '90s. It was it was new, it was fresh, it was different, and now there are a thousand clones and copies and they start to get all washed out and all sound like you know like whatever so like, well let's start over so what we're doing is trying to get that mix of like fill that void that was left with like skid row and pantera so like you've got like you have some really heavy stuff but with like some really nice melodic singing and and again no real barrier about what you can and can't do well, that's what happens when Phil and Selmo is like in vulgar display of power mode because he hit those notes like crazy. But it's like it's, the further he got, like the more rough his voice, he gargled like razor blades, which was awesome because it's like different la levels of Phil was cool. But like yeah. back in the day when he was singing Cemetery Gates and he was matching dime squealy squeals, like that was, I mean, uh -huh. it was awesome because I had no idea because I had heard, uh, I think, Far Beyond <laughs> Driven before I had heard Cowboys from Hell. And I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, that dude could sing like the dude from fucking, you know, uh, um, you know, hit those notes like Ingve Malmsteen style. Like, are you shitting me? And meanwhile, like knowing he could do that, then I think to myself, are they really getting he like heavier? Like that was a thing. It's like you, if you have that voice, why did you scream? But then again, you listen to those albums and they're all per like a perfect succession. Because it's, like it's right for the part. I mean, just because right. you have the voice right. and you can sing clean doesn't mean that the part calls for it. You have to do what's right for the part, right for the song, which just brings back to one of, like, one of the first things that I ever said. It's like, play for the song, not for yourself. You can tell when a song is just about someone showing off, like, look how fast I can play yeah, or look how many fast, notes yeah. I can hit. It's It, it, it doesn't. It, it's not memorable. It doesn't stick with you. But even if something is not particularly uh, virtuosic, if the song is well written, the song is well put together, that lasts a lot longer. Right on. Words of wisdom. People might actually learn something from this episode. I know. Yeah. I should, start, I should start taking my own advice. <laughs> I want to rely on Siobhan being so virtuosic. <laughs> I've, I've been re relying on Siobhan being so virtuosic that I didn't have to be a good songwriter. That I'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to put crazy strings over it. Fucking, they'll be like, oh, he's genius. Him and his brother, they're twins. They, they, they're great. And meanwhile, I'm just like, get that fucking girl to play 5,000 layers of strings. He's great. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, her tiger mom's like, get back to work. <laughs> well, if you want to hear all those, and Siobhan's like, internet is glitchy, and, and she's going. I'm sorry. Right, yeah, right. and things are falling all over the so place, like a cello. All, she's in New Mexico. She's coming, like cooking fucking we're, we're, crystal We're meth. bringing this to a close either way, but if you want to hear Siobhan's phenomenal strings, and if you want to hear Matt's epic heavy riffs on Lost Symphony, which uh, you can hear on chapter Dose 2, uh, the song is Murder With Jimmy Rose. Bell, by Oops. the way, who was John Denae's guitar teacher. Yeah, so yeah. Not only, so, not, so not only do we have Matt Bashand and John from, from Shadows Fall reunited. Like, is it the first time you guys play guitar together again since Shadows? Guitar, probably, yeah. Because well, that was what we wanted. We've been playing bass with like, other bands. That's the headline, man. We'll guitar, take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm serious. That was what I was but thinking myself. But we've always been playing together regardless of what no, it is. No, I know, but, but in it your was basement. three minutes away beers. from me and we hang out every day. It's right. like that never stopped. <laughs> but for the public, that's what I wanted to do. Is yeah, I said yeah. I said to them, um, and we tried getting Chris Broderick, and like, I mean, God bless him, he was too busy with Jeff Loomis. I want, yeah. I really wanted to do a Nevermore thing. We were so close to it. But having you two play, and then of course Jimmy Bell, who like everybody knows from the scene, from this area, is like the most disgusting and humble, nice guy on the planet who plays for Autograph now. Like, yeah. But he he does, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest solo, I, I'll say it, like not because it has anything to do with my writing, because I'm terrible, but his guitar playing on that is so outrageous that it almost usurps everything else. Yeah, we'll put a link to the song in the description of this episode. Jimmy Bell is... And so was John Denae, and so was Matt, because bringing some shadows fall back together. And may I add, it was also Siobhan's first violin solo with Lost Symphony. Really? Sweet. We were like, we, by the second album, we are like, we should probably throw her a bone. She's pretty good. Then she shreds this <laughs> solo, and then like the third record, our, our management was like, you should probably let her do more. And everyone's like, this record's like really symphonic. It's like, well, we, she's technically the best in the band. So. <laughs> yeah. It's also the first time you let you let the bassist have a guitar solo in a song on that track as well, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but you actually played really, really well, which is depressing because like I actually consider myself a guitarist before a bass player, but you play guitar better than I play bass, so that like sort of <laughs> sort of annoys me. Oh, that makes me and happy you to solo hear. more on my my project, Corey, since we've been in like seventy five. Like this one's mine, and like he solos more than I do on my own fucking record. Uh, and he's the bass player, which just makes me a total bitch. So. And on that note, you guys have been 2020. Check out Living Records. Check out is the uh, is the Shadows Fall out? tickets available? Is yeah. Is, are they still available? There are like 200 tickets left. Okay, so so almost not. Get so on go that buy them. ASAP. Go Check buy out. them. Do I need to buy them, or can I just show up the door and be like, I'm friends with Man Shark? <laughs> well, yeah, no, and that, Scott that, Lee. That's the one thing that we said is a, it's a it's a no comp deal. No, I'm I, fucking I, with my you, mom's dude. gonna buy a ticket. That's oh no, dude! Work. Listen, that's the <laughs> other thing that people like. Let's leave them with this. Support your fucking bands, dude. Like yeah. I hate it. Like, hey, can you give me a free copy of your CD? Can you give me a free copy? As I asked you, Ben, that's all you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you ask people for books. I asked CDs. Mark Lopes for a copy of Let Us Pray, but I played fucking keyboards yeah. on it. And I still don't have one, Mark Lopes. Even twenty twenty. Oh my god. And and living wreckage now. Living yes. livingwreckage dot com. You can get all info there. It'll take you to all the stuff we're doing. We're playing lots of little small hole in the wall dive bar places. That it. uh, it's it's a blast, and um, uh, hopefully uh, we'll have uh, the album out by the end of the year. Is what I hope. The three song EP will be available September first. Well, let us know when it is, and we'll make sure we we post about it. And we'll uh, we'll let you guys we'll let everyone great. listening know. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so Look much. Forward to seeing you guys real. Thank soon. you for playing on Lost Symphony, man. Like honestly, no, and thanks th for having me. If you want to do it yeah. again? Thank let me know. Thank you so much. And he awesome. actually recorded it too, because that's different. Because like John doesn't even know how to press record. Like I know because I taught him how to oh, press yeah, record. We tried to hear, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, but Matt did a really, really, really good job, like getting the best out of John. Because like that's like sometimes people that don't know how to play like do. The the production side are amazing guitarists but then they're like but how do you actually make it go in the computer and matt's the guy that knows how to get that out of a guy like john and well, he really brought it home no dude you guys did a great job well we've been playing together skills. for you know almost 30 years so we, <laughs> but still we like, know each other i appreciate well it i, I appreciate of, you man yeah, make it work man shark cool. all righty thanks so much guys now for the third ending bye 
Thank you for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com, like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 87 featuring Ryan Roxy, guitarist for Alice Cooper. Check it out. Because I got a second chance. I got this opportunity to tour with Alice again. And I think since that 2012 tour, um, going back out with Alice and our first tour was with with Iron Maiden and that was a you know playing these huge amphitheaters all across the US that really put things in perspective for me about okay know my role what I can do as a support and, and at the end of the day the most important thing we can do is play the songs in the same spirit that whatever band Alice had put together on those albums we play with that, that song with that same spirit that's why, in, in some senses, we are a cover band. You just have the luxury of having the original singer. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.